Hey guys, just want to let you know that the uh, beginning of this episode for about the first 30 or so odd minutes, a few technical difficulties uh, might be, the volume might be a little jacked up and the sound might be a little wonky and I do apologize, we're dealing with some stuff over here, but the end of the show should turn out better, I hope, so uh, enjoy! Welcome to Weekday Clip Notes. <laughs> I fuck it up every time. I'm sorry. It's it's all right. Why I keep it? wanting to say midweek Clip Notes, but it's Weekday Clip Notes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just paying attention to because it, it. I don't know. Technical shit today has just not been going uh, my way. I got everything turned up, so hopefully this comes through. Uh, Okay. 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 Anyway, let's start off with uh, a review. You want to do our review? Um, my name's Stephanie. Oh, I'm Kevin. They know. So, uh, we've been talking a lot lately about Ernest Klein's Ready, Ready Player, Player Two. Because I've been so excited waiting for it to come out, and I've talked about it like months and months and months and months. Yes. In advance. Yes, and you, you finally ordered it and got it in, and yes. I finally got it downloaded on Audible. Yes. And listen to it. Hey, guys, I'm just going to jump in here real quick and let you know that we have a ton of fucking spoilers coming up for Ready Player Two for the next, like, uh, half an hour. We talked about quite a bit. So if you haven't listened to or read Ready Player Two, and you don't want any spoilers, you're going to want to jump ahead to about the 35-minute mark. Yeah, we talked for a while. Um, but if you don't care about spoilers, then by all means, keep listening, because it's going to get saucy. Yes, so... <clears throat> I fucking loved it! It wasn't... It was. I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as the first one. Because, so, I like the way he started off, kind of, in uh, in the, you know, in the future, writing to everybody to tell them his side of the story. I like that sort of thing. I thought that was neat. It was a different way to do it. Um, I even like how all this stuff stuff starts taking place like right after the first one. So like a week after the first one, uh, the next... No, it big, was no, several weeks. No, it was a week. Because he said that him and Sam only dated for that week and then they broke up because of the, uh, the whole O&I thing. So it was only a week. He goes and he finds this. He, he gets the headset and... Him and H and Shoto decide that they're going to, that they want to push it to market. And Sam says she doesn't want to push it to market. And they, they break up. And the whole Easter egg thing starts. He's I, I'm guessing he's too busy running a company and too lazy 
playing all the time in the O&I to do any real work as far as figuring out the Easter egg. Well, he was looking for the Easter, the shards, as they're called in the book. Yeah. He was looking for them, but just not as hard as he was when he was searching for Halliday's three keys for the three gates back when he was a gunter. So he, he just wasn't, you know, spending all his time doing that. He only did it every once in a while when he felt like it. Because it was about Ogden's wife who had passed away, and he didn't really know that much about her. I mean, he knew quite a bit about her from his time when he was, you know, a gunter and yeah. learning everything about Holiday that he could. You know, because he was... Kiro's a huge part of Holiday's life. Yeah, but so what Holiday knew about her wasn't... Because everything that Wade or Percival knew about Kira through Halliday was completely wrong because all those places he had to go find the shards were the wrong places that he originally thought to look. Well, they weren't wrong from what he got from Holiday. He just wasn't he just wasn't thinking of everything the way he should be thinking. He wasn't thinking about uh places that were important to Kira in real life. He was thinking about places that were important to her in the Oasis. That's the difference. He wasn't thinking about her life. He was thinking about the work she did. And that was the wrong way to go about it. Because most, uh, you look everywhere that uh, you found a shard, it had to do with Kira and Og. None of it was just Kira. None of it was the stuff Kira was doing really with the Oasis. It was always a Kira and Og thing. Every single one. And he wasn't thinking about any of that. And well, no, because there was one memory where it was just Kira in her bedroom, and when she what, when she made her first um, computer design, uh, the very first shard. Yeah, that's when we find out that it is actually. Well, when we but, speculate that it's actually her memories and not someone else, because how could no man had ever been in her bedroom? But you don't. That flashback goes back to Og's house. Or is it her house? It's her house in her room. No guy But there. it's in Middletown, not in England. Right. So it's after she moves there. So you could still say that it has something, at least a little bit, it, it, it's her and Og, because she didn't do any of that shit until she came to, came to Ohio. Yeah, in a sense. But that as soon as that memory came up, that's when I was like, that's the real Kira. That can't be somebody else's memories because like like all the almanacs had said no guy had ever been in her room because her parents wouldn't allow it. Yeah, her stepdad was a fiend pretty much. Yeah, and when they went back to England, he was abusive towards her and then Og flew home or flew to London to save her. And that was another memory and... It made me love Og so much more. I I still have a hard time getting past all the John Hughes. Yeah, I know you didn't like that. But my favorite part, oh my God, I screeched so loud and so many times my boys came running down the stairs to see if I was okay. I told you. Worst day in the motherfucking times. I told you. And then I had to play the bird. 
and then I had to play Jungle Love. And unfortunately, I couldn't find Ice Cream Castles because that's one of my favorite Morris Day in the time song. And then Jason Muse. Yeah, and they mentioned Jason Muse as well. He was the DJ. He was the MC. And the fact that fucking Wade Watts couldn't get that fucking Ernest Klein, you should have given him more credit for that because View Askew Averse is the best goddamn thing in the world. So fuck you for that. But and fuck you for killing Og, you son of a bitch. But he's not really dead. That and that's another. Okay, so so it's a complete replica of his memory living okay. on in the oasis. Okay, so the whole John Hughes thing really got to me because it was chap. It was like two and a half chapters of him just describing those movies. It was one chapter. No, it wasn't. It was more than one chapter. It felt like that, but no, it was it one was chapter. It was more than one chapter. No, I read it. It was one. And I chapter. listened to it. It was more than one chapter. It may have felt that way. No, I know it was more than one chapter because was reading it to you. No, I know it was more than one chapter because he did the whole telling you what chapter it was thing in the middle of it. They read, they tell you when they're changing chapters. It was more than one chapter. And listen, I love Ferris Bueller's a classic. I love the vacation movies. Great Outdoors is one of my favorite movies of all time. Pretty in Pink. 16 Candles, um, some kind of wonderful, she's having a baby. They're good. They're they're just not they're not. Yeah. Um, I love weird science. But I don't need to know every single thing about every single movie he did to push the story along. And that was another missed opportunity. The whole time I'm thinking, as soon as he brought up Shermer, Illinois, it's like, why isn't there anybody from dogma here because jay and silent bob go searching for Shermer, illinois in dogma and they can't find it so why isn't that part of it because they have all these other aspects because dogma happened you know later into the 90s and he's focusing on 80s and early 90s it was early 90s when dogma came out or no, it was like 98, 99. That's way too late into the 90s. For, for This is this is all 80s, very early 90s No, stuff. this was stuff that was made in 2023, 2022. But it's not going to be in, it's, it, it's not going to be on that world because. But they had added aspects of L.A., Man's Theater, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that stuff was added because that stuff was in his movies. Exactly, so. But. Dogma wasn't one of his movies, so that no, wouldn't have been on that Earth, that that or on that planet. That wouldn't have made any sense to me. I think it would have to see Jay just and because Silent you Bob wanted to just because it. you wanted to see Jay and Silent Bob in there doesn't mean that it would have made sense. No, I think it would. It was a missed opportunity. It wouldn't have made Ernest any Klein. sense for all of a sudden for Jay and Silent Bob to be to be on that planet, not to be on the planet, but to be like around the planet looking for Shermer, Illinois. It would it would have just been funny to me. It would have been made more sense if to go to the View Askew planet and have them driving around looking for Shermer, Illinois, and not you know not being able. to Maybe find there's going to be another book because he's he's reaching more into the '90s now, and I think that's fucking awesome. Okay. Well, anyway, like I was saying, I don't need to know about every. Okay, so the whole Robert Downey Jr. thing. Yeah. Okay. So that happens in um, is it Pretty in Pink? That 
is is what you're leading up to. That that's the whole thing. The the mystery you got to solve. The riddle is the whole thing with Pretty in Pink and Robert Downey Jr. supposed to be Ducky and all that shit. And that's fine. So you got to go into weird science to get Robert Downey Jr. and you got to kill John Cryer. Do we really need to talk about how many John Candies there are in the, on this planet? I love John Candy, but I don't need to know every single John Candy. It was just Candy a passing thing as but they I were driving through town. They're like, oh, look at all the John Candies. It wasn't look at all the John Candies. It's like, do you know how many John Candies are on this planet? They're talking about and wasting so much they fucking time. They were driving down time. the road. They, they were, were wasting so much they were already driving time. they were having a conversation no no i don't want to hear about they were driving because because even at the school they're taking way too much time doing stupid they're running they weren't running no she, they're standing outside deciding what fucking clothes they're gonna wear that was all taking seconds because they're they don't have seconds as far as they know they could be the one second away could be all it takes for for, uh, they have a timer up in their thing. Yeah, they have a timer then, and then when it gets when they're finally finishing the last riddle, the last quest, he's ran out of time. No, he had ten minutes left, and it was already burning away at his fucking brain. Well, yes. When you when you're on these, you have seven of these shards to find. It's taken three years just to find one, and now you have to find all the rest of them in what they had less than 12 hours to do it because they had been in the Oasis for a little while. And you have that clock, that timer ticking away. Get to it. Stop fucking around. That the whole time I'm thinking, what are you doing? You're running out of time. Fucking go. I don't, you don't need the high fives and all the little trivia about stupid just do what you need to do and get it i understand that he's got to explain everything because it's a fucking book it just was really getting to because they spent like two hours just turning robert downey jr into ducky and then all of a sudden they got to get all this other shit done like they had like two hours left when they got to prince and then they still had to go to fucking middle earth and fight pretty much the devil and his wolf and his horde. All that's supposed is oh well, this is eighty you know eighty miles miles away. We'll get on these horses and ride. Even, Time works different in the o- in Oasis though. No, that is it's clicking away by the second. Doesn't matter how fast it goes in the Oasis. Time is still ticking away. And if eighty miles, you're on a horse. Even if it runs eighty fucking miles an hour, you're still burning up an hour to get there. It's the the time management of these 20-some-odd-year-olds was pissing me the fuck off. I was getting angry. And I wanted to fast-forward through some of it because I was getting sick and tired of hearing about John Hughes movies. But I knew that the second I hit the skip, I will miss something uh, important. So I didn't. I'm glad I did. Listen, I, I genuinely enjoyed the book. At no point did I want to turn it off. At, at no point... Did I, because I had to stop playing it for, you know, a little bit to to do stuff, but at no point did I go, ah, I'll listen to something else or I'll turn on some music or something instead of, I always went back to the book. So I enjoyed it. It's Let's, just, there's some things about it that kind of irked me a little bit. Th- there's a part in the beginning where Wade Watts, Percival, our hero. Just say, call him Percival or Wade. You don't have to call him Wade Watts. 
I'm, I'm talking to a reader. The the okay, you don't have to just, get called by his full name. Just pick a name. Okay, so. Z. Kevin had listened to the book before I read it because he downloaded the audio book before I even got the book in. I got it the day it came out. Yeah, fuck you. I ordered it the day it came out. Okay, well. But I didn't get it until the week later. Well, I didn't get it the day, the day later because it wouldn't download. Oh. Well, I don't know what to tell you. So, in the beginning, he's talking about how there are these different levels of AIs, pretty much, and how there's a likelihood of each eye being able to take over consciousness of their being or so on and so forth. And I said, I bet... Halliday becomes an AI. Okay. And I told you that this morning, and you kept calling me a fucking liar. No, I was calling you a liar because when I finished the book, I told you there's a huge twist a few chapters in that you will not see coming. And if you tell me that you saw it coming, I will call you a fucking liar. And you told me, I knew it. I knew it. I thought you were talking about Azeroth being the villain and controlling everything and um, holding all these people. Listen, obviously by reading the first chapter, you know the ONI is going to be fucked somehow. And you know that AI is going to have something to do with it. Obviously. The twist is... Who is actually the one who goes crazy and fucking does everything? And if you're telling me that you knew that it was going to be Azeroth that came back and was controlling everything and was forcing them to go on this journey because he was crazy and he was holding everybody hostage, I would call you a fucking liar because you didn't see that coming. No, I knew it was Halliday, though, which is Azeroth. No, he's a copy of his mem of of his consciousness he, with many memories erased. He, so he's a corrupted file. Yeah, I didn't know he was a corrupted file, and I didn't know it was going to be Azerac. I knew it was going to be Holiday. I don't which, think you knew it was going to be Holiday that was fucking everything up. Yes, I did. I don't believe it, you. Oh, it's Holiday's Easter egg. Okay. Halliday was obsessed with Kira. This yeah, is about okay. Kira's fucking shards. And Wade was literally repeating himself about the AI technology. I understand bullshit. that, but it, it made it, fucking sense. No, it didn't make any sense because Holiday was apparently in love with her and if all if if her soul was spread out all over the oasis, if he's in love with her, why would he do that in the first place? That didn't make any fucking sense. Okay. So Holiday's the AI. He spreads her consciousness, her soul, all over the oasis, and then he has to have somebody else go find it for him. That's stupid. He was an evil genius. He wasn't evil. He didn't. Yes, he, he was. No, he wasn't. He was just, he had a lot of demons going on inside him. He 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 uh, he did good things. He did bad things like anybody else. He was very socially awkward. He didn't know how to, how to act in certain situations, and he, he was... Egotistical. He was a um, little neurotic. Uh, he was a narcissist. Oh, but God, I wouldn't you're say just like Wade. But, you 
defend no, him but so James much. Holiday wasn't evil. He was just fucked up. He had a lot of things going on wrong in his head. But I wouldn't say he was fucking evil. Because, you know why he's not evil? Because by the end of it, he himself saw the error of his ways because he sent that letter, that email to Og, apologizing. Evil people don't apologize. He was fucked up. Azarak, I don't even think he was evil. I, he was just a corrupted file. He, he killed people for no reason. But that's the thing. He didn't kill anybody. He shot Sorrento. Sorrento should have been shot. He should have been shot a long time ago. He was a mass murderer. So you're defending an AI killing somebody. I'm defending him killing Sorrento, who was already on death row, and, and the then fact got that broke out. When Sam jumped out of the plane and the plane went down to get her, that he had okay, and okay, that okay, killed a bunch I've, of okay. That I will give you. He he killed a bunch of people in that instance. I will give you that. And he's the reason a bunch of people got locked in um, the Oasis and other people came in and killed them while they were in there. He is he is on the hook for all those. But that's kind of what pisses me off is that he was bluffing. I didn't want him to be bluffing. I wanted... This is going to sound horrible, but they're, they're book characters, so it doesn't fucking matter. I wanted 500 million some odd people to be that close to death. I wanted it to be real in the book. I didn't want it to be a bluff. Because the second you find out he's bluffing, it's like, well, then then it doesn't matter. That, that, got, that upset me. Because I was hoping many people would die because of what he was doing. Because then he would truly be evil. But the fact that he was bluffing... Many people did die. But not hundreds of millions like he had held hostage. Hundreds of millions of people died. It wasn't di hundreds of millions. No, it, it was, was like five, five million. It was 500 some odd million people. He had half a billion people locked in to the Oasis through their ONI gear. Half a billion. And I was waiting to see about 250 million or so of them die. Horrible, horrible deaths. And that would have made him truly evil. But in the end, he wasn't truly evil. He was just fucking a little crazy. But not crazy enough to actually kill all those people. And that honestly kind of upset. And the ending kind of upset me too because I don't like things necessarily being all packaged nicely at the very end and everything came out good. I don't think it is. See, I was How isn't it? I was reading between the lines. That's something you don't do. But don't you find it a little creepy that there's two versions of everybody? Yes, I think it's creepy that there's two versions of everybody, but it would be creepier if they were still on Earth. If yeah, those two but, versions were cuz now there's only one there's one version here and there's one version there. This version will be here and this version will be off into space somewhere. No, because those people on Earth can still log on and get onto their It won't go to that oh uh, that oasis, though. No, that's the Arcadia. Yeah, the Arcadia's oasis. What is there is is what is there. There's nothing else going to be added to it. Yeah, until something fucks with that, and they're able to go. Well, yeah, to the I'm sure o in the third one, that's obvious. Go obviously going to be some type of the plot. Of, so of, I mean, just like the end of the first book, everything was fine for a few days, and now everything's fine for now. 
But I mean, I just I got this eerie feeling that something's gonna go bad because yeah, some, obviously something's gonna. I, I imagine that the third book's probably gonna take place on the Arcadia, not on Earth. I would unless he jumps back and forth between. There's a lot of different things he could do with it, but I don't like. I have no problem with you know Sam and and Z getting married and having a kid and uh, Shoto being happy and HB and all them being happy. And that's fine. It's just you Og's dead. And it's like it's like a, it's like a sacrifice didn't mean anything. Yeah, it his wasn't... body's gone, but he was old and dying. He was sick, and he was dying anyway. So he, instead of just going out, you know, quietly or comfortably in his house, he went out saving or what he thought was saving hundreds of millions of people. But in the end, his sacrifice doesn't really matter because he didn't really sacrifice anything because at the end of it, he did the one thing that gave him eternal life because he hadn't put on the O&I gear up until that point. So he didn't really sacrifice anything. I mean, he would have died anyway. That's what I'm saying. He would have died regardless. But now he gets to live on forever. With Kira. I know. And it's sweet. That's fine. But him going through all the shit and fighting Azarak there at the end and then dying afterwards, him getting shot in the stomach and all that, it didn't matter because he still is getting... I mean, his his body's not going to be there, but who gives a fuck? Because he's going to live forever in the Oasis. Uh, you know. The Arcadia. Which is still the Oasis. It's its, it's own special entity. But it's still the Oasis. And... He's going to live forever on there until you know, Ready Player 3 and they fuck something up on it. But, And he's going to live a much better life because he's going to be able to do literally anything he wants. So there's no sacrifice. So that just kind of takes it away from me. He's like, I'm one of those people that think that maybe Will Ferrell's character in Stranger Than Fiction should have died. It would have made it a better story. Did die? No, he didn't. He she was di- pronounced dead. But he did. He didn't die. The end of the mo- end of the story. He's still alive, and he's got a nice relationship with. I think it was Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think it was in that movie yes. with him. And even Dustin Hoffman said, "It's a good book. Would have been a great book if you if you would have killed him off. But you got to have the guts to go there. You should have the guts to do it because you found out he was a real person. I it felt I, and I, I'm. I'm sure it's going to lead up to something in the third one. I'm sure Og will have some big thing to do with the third one, and that's that's fine. I bet he has his own Easter egg. I don't know. That doesn't seem like his type of thing. But I don't know. It just felt like there at the end, I'm like, oh. I mean, I don't want to see Og die, but it just it makes it feel like a sacrifice. Like everything he went through physically to save everybody and then the big fight is you know, kind of for nothing. And I want to see more of Lo, too. We didn't get to see very much of her. And I'm, yeah. I'm thinking she has some sort of relation to either Og or I don't think so. I think she's I think she I think she's just a um you know, a person who was going through some shit and logged onto the Oasis just like most of the kids well, in that time it... and and that's where she uh could just be herself and I I think she's just she was just like Wade. He got he got super lucky. He was super smart. 
He learned everything he could, got super lucky, got the egg, and she's exactly like him and trying to follow in his footsteps. I don't think that she has any other connection to it than that. Personally, I don't think. Well, that's that's what he found out, too, when he looked into her history and yeah. stuff under the robes of... Azeroth. Azeroth. There's a K there. So, I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any thing between her and them. I just think she's another person. I don't know. She Not everybody has to be connected. Sometimes people just come into your life that you that have no connection I don't know, to anybody. Cuz they they were starting to get really close when they were finding that first shard and then the fact that she could find that notebook and pick it up and everything. I'm thinking there's more to her than... Well, she should be able to pick up a notebook, fine. The only thing that you, nobody could grab except for him was the shards. He yeah, was the only one who could touch. But everything else is fair game. There's no reason she couldn't have picked that up. I know. I just... I think there's more to her than... I don't. I don't think there's anything. We'll see when the... And, you know, a well, year eventually. Or two. <laughs> there's another thing I didn't... No rush. I was genuinely upset. There was no rush. In the book. But, okay. One of the things I love so much about the first book was that it touched on so many things that I remember from my childhood and stuff that I liked as I grew up. With this one... It was more along the lines of my childhood I I grew up. I didn't... I mean, I loved John Hughes movies, you know, as much as anybody else. So put that aside. But like the 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 arcade game they played, the Ninja One and the Princess, I didn't play that. Uh, so that was kind of I I I was having a hard time kind of picturing that because I I don't even know what that one is. I'm gonna say this. I I think this this book he purposely wrote it to be geared more towards women and more towards girls and more towards transgender assigned male. At birth, change to female. Okay, but I wasn't. I w- I got nothing against Prince. Prince is fine. There's, uh, you know, I like a few of his songs, but I wasn't a huge. I'm still not a huge Prince fan. So, so that didn't get me going. I love the the um, Morris Day and the motherfucking time. That that I thought it was good, but I only like love that because of Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, I've loved um, more stay in the time before then. I wasn't. I like Lord of the Rings. I love Lord of the Rings, but I don't love Lord of the Rings. So I like. I love D and D, which I'll have an announcement for everybody in the you know in a month or so. But I don't know. I, I just I, I like Lord of the Rings. If it's on, I will watch it. But I was never one of the persons to kind of delve in and learn everything I could about. That and the Hobbit and and all the Tolkien lore and learn the languages and everything and that and that was really thick at the end. So yeah, I didn't understand a lot of it. So that it was all kind of all right. Like I said, I enjoyed the book. I genuinely enjoyed the book, and it made me want to re-listen to the first one. And at some point, I'll probably re-listen to this one because I do genuinely enjoy it. Just not as much as the first one. Because I think I connect more and the the themes 
and the way the story is told and the things that happen in the story, I like more in the first book than I do in the second. Because it's more of a kid down on his luck fighting for things than it is somebody with all this power just kind of doing whatever they want. I think the first book was more masculine and this book is more feminine. Well, I don't even know about that. Well, no, because you have all the quests were led by females. H, Sam, Lo. Uh, well, Shoto. But it was a girl's game. It was a princess game. It wasn't a girl's game. game. It was a game that was that the main character was a princess. Right. And you played as Kira, but Shoto was the one who showed you where to go, how, what to do along the way. Right. But, I mean, you played as Kira. It was a princess. I think it was a very female led book. Okay. That doesn't affect me, Eddie. I'm fine with that. No, but I'm thinking you're liking the first one more because it was more masculine. You no. Had, you had Rush. You had that more action-packed. I like Rush. I know you do. But I, the, no, they t- they touched on more things in the first one that I enjoyed. War games. It's not a masculine. It's about a computer programmer. It's, uh, it, it's just a computer programmer who's trying to not start World War Three. Yeah, I know. Or stop seen... World War Three. Monty Python is not masculine. <laughs> no, but I think more men like war games and more men like well, Monty Python. There's plenty Pi- of females that I'm like saying, war games and, and Monty Python. I know there are, but I'm saying more men and more like both of those than women know. do. And there's plenty of men that, uh, men that like John Hughes movies. Probably not as much as one. Like, oh, I doubt. I love most of his movies. There's just some that I'm like. Okay, I'm so he did. I'm talking Pretty in Pink and uh, the. There's a lot of men who love. It's not my kind. Of, it, it's it's not like one of my favorite movies is Breakfast Breakfast Club. That's not very masculine. Most people would say it was one of Brian's favorite. My brother Brian, so long past, but it was his favorite movie of all time. Yeah. I was so proud that H was the one that lifted up her own doing that. Great Outdoors, the vacation movies. I, I loved them. I don't think it has anything to do with masculine and feminine. I just that I I l- enjoyed the story more and, and related a little bit more to the first one. I don't think it has anything to do with masculine and feminine because that stuff doesn't really matter to me. I know it doesn't. I'm just saying I noticed... Well, that's fine. There there was more of a feminine theme throughout. But, but don't put that on me. Like, I did Like, oh, I like the first one because it's masculine. I don't like the second one as much because maybe it's more. Like and it. I'm telling you, it's, that's not the reason. Okay. 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 So there's our... Re- out of five <laughs> stars. <laughs> I give it I give it five <coughs> stars. Well... I mean, five stars is, is five fucking stars. So really take a second. I'll give it 4.5 stars. See, I would give the first one probably a 4.3. I'll give the second one a 4. I enjoyed it. I genuinely enjoyed it. There was just parts of it that kind of got, that irked me a little bit. But that's really nitpicking. I would still listen to that over a lot of other books that I haven't finished listening to or reading. So... It's still a good book. I still recommend you go if you if you like the first one, you will like the second one. 
that I mean, that's pretty much just the way it is. You might like it more, you might like it a little less, but if you like the first ready, if you like Ready Player One, you will like Ready Player Two. Yes. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new exclusive discount code for thebeardstruggle.com. Ladies, you know that man in your life with the big, beautiful beard? Or the one trying to grow a beard, even if it's just a little stubble? Well, what you might not know is that the skin underneath all that face fur can get dried out and super itchy, causing scratching that leads to flaking, and if there's anything worse than head dandruff, it's beard dandruff. That's why we've teamed up with thebeardstruggle.com. They know what goes into having a big, glorious beard, hence the name. And they've created some of the best products in the market to help the man in your life gain those majestic chin locks and soothe the skin underneath. Be it the day and night oils, which keep the beard soft and the skin moisturized, and they smell great, by the way. Or the beard straightener that calms those extra curly face hairs and makes that beard look fuller and healthier. Kevin uses these products, and his beard has never looked, felt, or smelled better than... I, I really enjoy playing with the beard now. Thebeardstruggle.com uses 100% all-natural ingredients. They never test on animals and have a 90-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to thebeardstruggle.com, all one word, or click on the link in the show notes. And don't forget to use our exclusive discount code, AUDIO15, for 15% off at checkout. That's A-U-D-I-O-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. Go now. Now, let's get to the rest of the show. Let's see what more books I can buy. Well, first, I do have a bit of news um, from Andrew Liptick from Tor.com. Scientist, Hugo Award winner, and prolific science fiction author and editor Ben Bova passed away on Sunday, November 29th, 2020, at the age of 88. The author of more than 100 books, Bova also edited some of the genre's best-known publications have served as president of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Word of Bova's passing first came from Catherine Brusco, who revealed that Bova had passed due to complications from COVID-19 and a stroke. Aww. Now, born in 1932, Bova brought experience to the science fiction genre that few authors could match. He worked as a technical editor for the U.S.'s Project Vanguard, the first effort on the part of the country to launch a satellite into space in 1958. Bova went on to work as a science writer for Avco Everett Research Laboratory, which built the heat shields for the Apollo 11 module, putting man on the moon and ensuring that science fiction would continue to increasingly define the future. It's around that time that Bova began writing and publishing science fiction. He published his first novel, The Star Conquerors, in 1959, and followed up with dozens of others in the following years, as well as numerous short stories that appeared in publications such as Amazing Stories, Analog Science Fact and Fiction, Galaxy Magazine, The Magazine of Fantasy and Science Fiction, and others. 1971, he took over the helm of Analog following the death of its long-running editor, John W. Campbell Jr., a huge task given Campbell's influence on the genre at that point. According to the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction, Bova doubled down on the publication's tendencies towards technological realism and hard science fiction, but considerably broadened its horizons. While there, he published notable stories such as Joe Haldman's Hero, which became The Forever War, and earned the Hugo Award for Best Editor for numerous consecutive years before stepping down in 1977, 
From there, he became the first editor of Omni Magazine until 1982 and consulted on television shows such as The Star Lost and Land of the Lost. Bova's best-known works involved plausible sciences about humanity's expansion into the universe, looking at how we might adapt to live in space with novels such as 1992's Mars, about the first human expedition to the Red Planet, he followed that novel up with additional installments, forming the Grand Tour series, which explored all of the solar system's major bodies. The latest installment, Uranus, was published in July and was scheduled to be the first of a trilogy. The second installment, Neptune, is scheduled for release next year. The ESF notes that the straightforwardness of Bova's agenda for humanity may mark him as a figure, figure from the earlier era, but the argument he laces into sometimes overloaded storylines and our arguments, it is important. Perhaps absolutely vital to make. So, uh, another writer gone. And that's, that's just terrible. Yes, it is. All right, well, let's get to our four books of the week. So, for fiction, we have We Hear Voices by Evie Green. Kids have imaginary friends. Rachel knows this. So when her young son Billy miraculously recovers from a horrible flu that has proven fatal for many, she thinks nothing of Delphi, his new invisible friend. After all, her family is healthy, and that's all that matters. But soon, Delphi is telling Billy what to do, and the boy is acting up and lashing out in ways he never has before. As Delphi's influence is growing stranger and more sinister by the day, and rising tensions threaten to tear Rachel's family apart, she clings to one purpose, to protect her children at any cost, even from themselves. We Hear Voices is, is a gripping, near-future horror novel that tests the fragility of family and the terrifying gray area between fear and love. From Berkeley Books, December 2020, 384 pages. I want it. <laughs> I know you do. It sounds so good. It, it and does. I think it's pronounced Delphi. If it's based off of, like, if it's... D-E-L-F-Y. Oh. D-E-L-F-Y. Because I thought the same thing, too. But it's it's Y, not, like... So, I call it. So, it's Delphi. On a We Will Message uh, Evie Green and have her listen to the episode and she can tell us which way it's pronounced. Well, because sometimes Maybe. a Y does have an I sound. It can, yeah. Or an E sound. Okay. Now, for our non-fiction... Do you want to talk about it more? The, the what dra Actually, what dra drag me there to the book, drag my eyes straight to it, is the fucking cover is gorgeous. Because it's like there's like fire on it, and like I think there's like a little kid at the bottom, and it says... Uh, we hear voices right in the middle. It just draws you in. So whoever did the art for this book needs a round of applause. It, it is beautiful. It's black with just this fire right in the middle of it. It just draws you right to it. They say never judge a book by its cover, but most people buy a book based on how it Most of the books I pick <laughs> out on this fucking podcast are because of the cover. I'm not going to lie. I but I actually read the synopsis on the inside well, cover or the back based so on do like, i but no like when i'm perusing the bookstore yeah so do i i'll like but if i see a cover if i see a cover that's really neat looking 
that's usually the one I'll pick up, read the synopsis. If the synopsis is stupid, I'll be like, oh, okay, and I'll put it back. But, or if it's got a really good title and not such a good cover, I'll pick it up and look at it. But, it's, I'm, I'm telling the truth, it's got a really good looking cover. I will, and as always, I will post pictures of the covers on our Twitter and Instagram so you, you can all see it. I want, I want that book. Okay. You can add it to my Christmas list. Okay. Pretty sure I was done buying you Christmas, but well, okay. you tell me I'm not allowed to buy me stuff in December because we'll see. Okay, I'm... so our nonfiction, Big Kibble: The Hidden Dangers of the Pet Food Industry and How to Do Better by Our Dogs by Sean Buckley and Oscar Chavez. Speaking of dogs, ours will not shut up right now. He's barking, probably at a cat, unless somebody's at the front door. What's really going into our commercial dog food? The answer is horrifying. Big Kibble is big business, $75 billion globally. A handful of multinational corporations dominate the industry and together own as many as 80% of all brands. This comes as a surprise to most people. What's even more shocking is how lax the regulation and guidelines are around these products. The guidelines, or lack thereof, for pet food allow procedures to include ever cheaper ingredients and create ever larger earnings. For example, quote, legal ingredients in kibble include poultry feces, sawdust, expired food, and diseased meat, among other horrors. Many vets still don't know that kibble is not the best food for dogs because Big Kibble funds the nutrition research. So far, these corporations have been able to cut corners and still market and promote feed-grade food as it were healthy and beneficial until now. Just as you are what you eat, so is your dog. Once you stop feeding your dog the junk that's in kibble or cans, you have taken the first steps to improving your dog's health, behavior, and happiness. You know the unsavory side of Big Tobacco and Big Pharma. Now Sean Buckley, Dr. Oscar Chavez, and Wendy Paris explain all you need to know about unsavory Big Kibble and offer a brighter path forward for you and your pet. From St. Martin's Press, comes out December 2020, 320 pages. That would be a nice book to get, but again, the same thing with smoking and the same thing with the fast food epidemic. People are going to do whatever they can afford. You know, when healthier food becomes more affordable, then people will get it. Well, I'd be willing, I'd be wanting to read it to see what they have found as far as what companies do actually put out healthier food. Because, like, if you get Olroy from Walmart, then, yeah, you're buying fucking sawdust. But Blue Buffalo is supposedly, supposedly supposed to be really good. It's more expensive, but I would be willing to, to, to really look into that book and see, because I, I, we love our fucking dog. Even though he is annoying sometimes and a pain in the ass, we love our dog. And I don't want to feed him bullshit. I want him to be healthy. I agree. But then again, I don't want to spend 20 bucks on a can of dog food. Well, either. no, we we can't there there has to be a uh there has to be a, a compromise somewhere. It's like, well, we can't spend $20 on a thing of food, uh, you know, on one can of food, but we also don't want to feed him something that's going to give him cancer. So there's got to there's got to be a, a a middle. It's the same thing with feeding us and our children. We don't want to spend, you know, $800 a paycheck on the, you know, best 
organic and natural foods, because organic foods usually worse for you anyway. Sorry to tell you. But we also don't want to give them the rotten food that comes out of the fucking dumpster. So there's a compromise. Okay, we can get this shit. It's a little cheaper, but the quality's still okay. We can get this shit because it's a little bit more expensive, but the quality's a little bit better. There, there's that there's that area that you can go into and go all through there. This is why I do the grocery shopping, guys. That has nothing to do with it. What does that have to do with, with because, what I'm talking about? Because I don't get the cheap shit. I get the good shit that's on sale. We've gotten cheaper shit before. Yeah, and it was horrible. That's why I don't get cheap shit anymore. But it's still food. If but we, it if, tastes horrible. Sometimes it can. All right, let's go to our kids' book. Now, uh, recently we've been doing some of the uh, more cutesy uh, little kids' books like we did last week. Mm-hmm. This week is for a, a little bit more grown-up, not too much, but called The Smartest Kid in the Universe by Chris Grabenstein. Cool last name. Twelve-year-old Jake's middle school is about to be shut down unless Jake and his friends can figure out how to save it. When Jake spies a bowl of jelly beans at the hotel where his mom works, he eats them. But those weren't just jelly beans. One of the scientists at his mom's conference is developing the world's first ingestible information pill. And that's what Jake ate. Before long, Jake is the smartest kid in the universe. But the pills haven't been tested yet, and when word gets out about his new genius, people want him. The government, the mega corporations, not all of them are good people. Can Jake navigate the ins and outs of his newfound geniusdom, not to mention the ins and outs of middle school, and use his smarts to save his school? Bonus includes extra brain teasers to test your smarts. Clever, fast-paced, and incredible funny, incredibly funny, Chris Grabenstein has done it again by Stuart Gibbs, the New York Times bestselling author of Spy School. This is from Random House Books for Young Readers. Comes out December 2020. 304 pages, ages 8 to 12. So that's a bigger book for ages 8 to 12. I think our daughter would like that. I it kind of reminds me would. a little bit of Flowers for Algernon. I mean, not, the kid's not... No. Me- no. <laughs> not really. Let me explain. <laughs> Go the ahead. The kid may not be mentally ill, but he, he gets something that makes him smarter. And I bet by the end of the book, the genius goes away. Like it did. And Flowers for Algernon. I did not see Flowers for Algernon at all when I was looking at this. That didn't even come into my... I, I, I don't get that comparison at all. But, okay. You didn't have to... Okay. So I my read ba- it. <laughs> no, my bachelor's was in English, and I had to take a shitload of literature courses. So I had to do quite a lot of comparison essays and shit like that. So I'm constantly comparing works of art and works of literature to other works of art and works of literature. So that's where I get all these comparisons from. Okay, I, I don't see that one. but I'm constantly looking at themes and undertones. Oh, that's and fine. I don't see that comparison. I don't see... I don't. A regular kid becoming a genius and then losing the genius? We don't know if he loses the genius or I not. I bet he does. Maybe, but... Because it, it, it's a... It, it's a pill... From a scientist, and they it's don't know what happened. Bean. They said it was a pill. No, said it was a jelly bean. He ate the jelly beans. I thought it was a pill that happened to be in a bowl of jelly beans. No, the it was a jelly bean 
That was the first ingestible information pill, but it was a jelly bean. Okay. But they don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Kinda I don't like... see flowers for Algernon anywhere when I when I look at the book or read the synopsis at all. I'm not talking about like the entire series. I'm talking about the gist of it. Okay, but you can do Dumb that with any two books. Smart. Ugh. Damn here. I don't see the. That's you can see it all you want. That's fine. I don't see the comparison. Uh, that I think that's a stretch. Well, let's move on to our YA novel. No, I'm giving the guy a compliment. The author. That's a compliment because Flowers for Algernon is a genius work of art. Okay. I don't see those two having anything to really do with each other except for the fact that both of the characters get smart. Okay. I don't... You could Again, there's a million books that you can point to and be like, oh, well, th- that's just like that too. Okay, I don't see the comparison. Just go on. Go on. I, I, I was trying to. I'm no. not knocking the guy or the book. I'm sure the book is probably fantastic. I just don't see the comparison. I see the comparison you're making. It just doesn't make sense to me. Have you ever read Flowers for I Algernon? just told you that I have. Literally just told you that I read the book too. When? I don't know, fucking school? Like everybody else who read it? Read it again as an adult. Yes, and then I will be like, this does sound like a children's book for kids 8 to 12 about a kid who eats a jelly bean. It's not the same book. Uh, I didn't say the same book. Our YA novel this week is Ruined Song by Julia Ember. Her voice was her prison. Now it's her weapon. In a world where magic is sung, a powerful mage named Cadence has been forced to torture her country's disgraced nobility at her ruthless queen's bidding. But when she is reunited with her childhood friend, a noblewoman with ties to the underground rebellion, she must finally make her choice. Take a stand to free their country from oppression or follow in the queen's footsteps and become a monster herself. From Farrar, Strauss, and Griot, this actually came out in November, so it's out now. 368 pages, ages 14 to 18, so 14 and up. You have a perplexed look on your face. Ruin song? Sounds familiar. I'm sure it does. It was probably like an Alcrate book. I I don't think so. Because it, ju- it, it just came out last month, and I don't remember you getting that. I didn't get Alcrate last month. I don't remember it being in it. I don't remember seeing it. On it would have been. And any of the Alcrate um, things on Instagram or anything like that. Because I get all those, too, because I'm the one who buys all of them. So I get all that, that stuff, and I don't remember seeing this. I could be wrong, but I don't remember seeing this book. It looks familiar. I, I, I'm part of so many book groups that... Yeah, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure. And this was actually one I was going ha- to do a few weeks ago, and this one just kind of got lost in the shuffle. I was like, oh, yeah, I got that one book. So I pulled it up. All right, well, there's our extra-long episode of Weekday Cliff Notes. Um, Stephanie, let's give them our socials. We are at Open a F-ing Book, Open a F-I-N-G Book, at, on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> you going to get that out? <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I took an extra-long nap. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, I am at ECJBAT on Twitter and Gram. Um, young ETM6 on Twitter, Young ETAM on Instagram. 
Uh, you can email us at openafingbook at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought of Ready Player Two if you got to read it. Um, if there's any books that we should cover that um, you know you enjoy that you'd like for us to talk about. If you wrote a book and you want us to to read it and review it or, or, or talk about it, we'd be more than happy to. Just email us and tell us where to get it. We will. Uh, Stephanie, are Goodreads that we haven't updated in? <laughs> uh, Goodreads.com slash open a F-I-N-G book. I would say we're going to do that this weekend, but I know us, and if I say we're going to do it, it's a really good chance. Ain't happening, so... How dare you use that word? Uh, we go can't to do Patreon. We have my son's birthday. Oh wait, no, that's that's not this weekend. The eleventh. When's the eleventh? Next weekend. Oh, okay. December just started. Go to our Patreon. We have plenty of stickers left. All your donations go to help make this show even better than the content you're getting right now. Fuck off. <laughs> At Patreon.com/slash/OpenAFingBook. Uh, go to my wife's Etsy page, etsy.com slash shop slash Stephanie Young Art, and grab some of her amazing soaps. And bath bombs. And bath bombs. And the, uh, do you still do the, like, the deconstructed ones where it's mm-hmm. just the powder in there? I like that. I do too. Because it was my bath idea. Bath bomb. Bath. I can't even <laughs> talk. Bath bam bam bomb. Bath bam bombs. <laughs> Um, bath bomb powders. Bath bomb powders. Comes in the little test tubes. Or do you put them in the bags? It's, I, I it feel, was, I, the Halloween ones were in test tubes and the other ones were just in jars. Okay. I feel like if you put them in, in bags, if somebody gets pulled over, they might think it's Coke. Yes. Okay. Uh, come back Monday for the beginning of our Christmas series. It, uh... No idea how. Okay, no idea how long this series is going to be because I'm still writing it, and uh, so you, you just you just come along for the ride, and it'll end when it ends, I suppose. I kind of want to do three episodes because that'll finish up before Christmas, and then everybody could just take a break for Christmas, and then we can come back the week after that. Kind of what I want. But it all depends on how much, how how big these episodes are going to be. Because I don't want to do three, two and a half hour long episodes. Oh fuck no! I don't want to be sitting out here for two and a half hours. Yeah. it's fucking cold. So I would much. Re- so if if we got to do four hour and fifteen minute episodes, then that's what we'll do. But it's it'll just be one of those things that we know when we know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go to your low. Uh, rate and review us. Before you go to your local library, local bookstore, you're on your phone anyway. Just give us the five star. Give us a little review. Subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you have on your phone. Much appreciated. Then you walk into your local library and your local bookstore and buy a buy a book from a local independent author from a local independent bookstore. Best thing you can do, people, right now. Uh, look down underneath the show for the show notes and we will have a link to get to all the books and all the authors that we talked about tonight i'll even we'll even throw up a link so you can get a hold of i don't know if you'll be able to get a hold of him but you can go purchase ready player two if you'd like and stephanie i believe that is it i think so all right been a little longer episode but oh well what are you gonna do enjoy it i suppose 
Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Between now and the time we get to talk to you again, do yourself a favor. Go open a fucking book. All right, we'll see you. Bye, guys.